Got my coffee. I should have my water. A little bit hoarse. But you know, such as it goes when you're hopped up on adrenaline and caffeine. All right, here we go. Let's take a stroll. I was recently asked the question, what is it to walk by the Spirit? Some might say walk in the Spirit, walk according to the Spirit. Paul asked this question explicitly, explicitly, articulation, in Galatians 5, 16. Walk by the Spirit or walk in the Spirit so as to not satisfy or gratify or fulfill the desires of the flesh. All right, great, let's go. Well, what is it to walk in the Spirit? Is this something you do? Is this something you feel? Is it something you do because you feel? Is it something you feel because you do? Is it to embrace God's calling on our lives? Well, to this last one, yes. And we know what God's call on each of our lives is. It's the same dang thing for each one of us. And no, it's not to spread the gospel at all times until the ends of the earth. <gasps> I'm not a heretic, I promise. He's told you, Mr. or Mrs. or whomever person, what is good. And what else does the Lord require of you except for these three things? Act justly, love mercy, and accomplish these things by walking. Ooh, there's that analogy. Walking humbly with your God. Discerning his will. Romans 12. Conformed to his spirit. Now, most speakers, I wager, would stop there. That is, if they've even made it that far regarding biblical clarity. But wait, there's more. What the heck is a spirit? Well, it's, you know, like a sort of but. Uh-uh. A spirit is a, or spirit, quote unquote, is a noun. And so must, therefore, signify some particular, distinguishable, noticeable, noticeable, knowable person, place, or thing. A spirit or rather a pneuma, since that's the Greek word that our sovereign God chose to communicate first with a Greek-speaking audience, is, definition from the uh, concordance in Blue Letter Bible, or rather lexicon, a spirit or a pneuma is the power by which the human being, or God, feels, thinks, and decides. By feels, you could mean like maybe perceives senses. It is that rational capacity which is capable of knowing, desiring, deciding, and acting. A spirit, the spirit, is, put bluntly, that rational and reasonable faculty which enables a person to know something, to be conscious of, de of desire. And desire here is a neutral term to make actual decisions and then willfully act in light of those decisions or determinations. The human being, as the image of God, is the only created animal with such a spiritual faculty. Okay, so how do we understand things, govern desire, determine, and then act in a manner aligned with the will of God? That's what it is to walk in the Spirit. To walk in the Spirit is, again, to understand things, govern desire, determine, and act in a manner aligned with the will of God. If only we had an example. Well, we do. Jesus. And I keep thinking about Hebrews 
for he is the author and perfecter of our faith. Faith being trusting God. Trusting God for what? Well, to accomplish his promise. What is his promise? To actually grow us, sanctify us, mature us, refine us into a fully accurate reflection of his image. That is what we have faith that he will do. That is the nature of salvation. A strengthening which, yes, will lead to eternal life post-death, yada, yada. Jesus is the author of that in that he's the originator of it. He's the first human. It is something by his design as the second person of the Trinity. And he's the fulfiller of it in that he's the only human being to have done it to its fullest with success. Where did he do that? I wonder. Temptations in the wilderness. Let's go back. He's baptized first. The spirit of God descends upon Jesus at his baptism. And then he goes to live a life 40 days in, in a harsh and cruel world. Now, I would suggest that what God is illustrating here in this uh, scenario, among many other things, is that success at life, or rather to put my way, not sucking at life, in the cruel and harsh world, depends upon a reliance upon the Spirit of God to govern our understanding, our desires, our determinations, and our actions. Regarding stones and bread, Jesus affirms that there is more to the human being than just a physical body. And so therefore, nourishment other than food is required for a fully healthy human being. Actually, let me hit pause for a second. I'm actually at work. I'll pick you back up in a little bit. And we're back. All right. So we just talked about stones and bread. Regarding the kingdoms of the earth. Jesus demonstrates a sober-mindedness, an understanding of situations, consequences, and a self-awareness regarding the basic self-centered, self-preservative, self-preservative nature of the human being. This is usually the temptation that's referred to as the pride of life, and I would go into this more in a separate installment. But basically the idea of I deserve something, I need something, I'm owed something, I can advance myself from my own security and power, which, yes, does have a basic caricature to it, but we don't want to overly caricaturize that. It is something that we all do experience. Now, regarding flinging himself from the temple heights... Certain, sorry, that was an awkward pause. Regarding flinging himself from the temple heights, certain that everything will, of course, turn out fine. Wow. There it is. I can't read my handwriting, guys. All right, so regarding flinging himself from the temple heights, certain that everything will, of course, turn out fine. What this does is it lays bare a certain pride that we have in deciding or determining and then presumptuously acting with a less than sober mind about things, situations, motives, outcomes. In each of these, the human Jesus, stick with me, the human Jesus could, subjunctive mood, have brought the, to fruition the desires of the flesh. Back to Galatians 5.16. That is, he could have lived, in, lived driven primarily by these more... He could have been primarily driven by, I wouldn't say governed, there's a difference, by these more basic, you could argue in a certain way, animalistic, less reasonable, less rational, less intelligent aspects of human nature. 
But to act justly requires an actual understanding of what really ought to be. And to esteem mercy, this is going back to Micah, that thing which is our calling on our lives, to esteem mercy, that is, that desire to facilitate the flourishing of others, requires a check, not a negation, but just a reasonable guiding hand on one's own desires. That's Philippians 2, 3-4. And then determining to act accordingly. That is what it is to walk according to the Spirit of God. And this is all doable in any situation or circumstance. How do I do it when? What about if? But my life, yeah. Yeah. Walk by the Spirit. When I'm just sitting in class or when I'm, yo know, driving down the road. Well, yes. In each and every situation, consider what's honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and or praiseworthy. If you don't know what those mean, look them up. They're words. They have definitions. And that's it. That's walking by the Spirit. It's easy to say, but the challenge to do is actually only one of resolution and discipline. Read Scripture. Consider what it's saying. Pray. Discern. Then go. Let your understanding, your desires, and desires can be anything. Really, please hear me with desires that I'm not caricaturing that in some kind of a Christian way where it's like, ooh, evil desires. Wanting things are bad. I'm only talking about sex. Obviously, I'm not. Best analogy, like this idea of governing your desires really is in all three of the temptations in the wilderness, particularly in stones and bread. I want food. I need food. So I'm going to do whatever I need to to get food. That's why the Israelites under siege in Jerusalem ate their kids. Walk according to the pneuma of God, that capacity to know accurately, balance desire, determine rightly, and act justly in any situation. Yes, even when just sitting in class or watching Netflix, considering what is honorable, what is pure, what is lovely, what is commendable, what is excellent. That's from Philippians 4. Just do it in real time. It's not a manual. You've got to step up, know God, understand his word, discern his will based upon that knowledge, that conscience, and do it. You won't always succeed. That's okay. But there's no answer that you can write down to this. You've got to do it. All right. Now I'm a broken record, repeating myself at the risk of becoming unclear. That's assuming I was clear in the first place. All right. Love you. Bye.